I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back to the latest issue of the Journey podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Banks, and I'm with Cav Dadfar, the other host. And um, today we're joined by Laura Greer. Hey, Laura, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, very well. Where are you joining us from today, Laura? I'm joining from sunny Venice Beach, California. Very nice, very nice. It's a bit of a drab day here in the UK, or at least it is with me, so very jealous of that. That's shocking. I've, I've got, I've got <laughs> yeah. blue skies where I am, so I think it's just you, Jordan. Yeah. I think, oh, I think it's just over my house then, that means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sums up my mood, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, thanks for doing this, though. I really appreciate you coming to join us and talk through your career, life, goals, that sort of thing. But um, I guess the best place to get started is like, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, who you are, and tell us your story, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, I'll give you an abbreviated version, but I grew up in Virginia and all over the world. Both of my parents uh, were CIA, actually, and so we were stationed all over traveling at a young age, and I have three older sisters, and so uh, some of my sisters were born in other countries, like Brazil and and around the world, and so I always had travel in my blood. I The first four years of my life, I lived in Jakarta, Indonesia, and we were um, moving around a lot, so I always was exposed to different cultures at a young age. And then we grew up in Virginia after that. And I finished high school and I knew that I wanted to do photography. I was just very interested, but for me, photography was sort of like a passport to do adventures. I I really just wanted to be Indiana Mm. Jones or, or like Jacques Cousteau or somebody. (laughs) I I wanted, that's what I wanted to be was like an explorer. Yeah. So photography is sort of the way to do that. And so I went to a four-year university at at Syracuse University for commercial photojournalism. And then 
during college, I got top secret clearance and all of my sisters and I worked at the CIA. So my first photo job was actually working at the Central Intelligence Agency. And wow. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, a, that's different. Definitely. That, that certainly beats yeah. my first job. I think you, you <laughs> top that. No problem. <laughs> I'm sitting here being careful what I say now as well, knowing the CIA connections. I was like, nothing stupid. Like. You know, it was really cool because I learned how to, um, like some of my, I can't talk about all the things I did, but like some of the things I did was declassifying images, um, which is what they call it when you Photoshop doctor images before they're released to the public. So everything you see okay. has been sort of doctored and not in like in a way to be um, untruthful, but it's just to protect, you know, assets, which is what they call, you know, spies around the world and, and informants and people like that. So I was literally erasing license plates and people out of photos and stuff like that for government. <laughs> so you're a dab hand at Photoshop as well, then not yeah. just the behind the camera, behind the computer as well. Yeah, you know, that's where I learned how to do it. And then I used that valuable tool to, you know, slim down brides later on. So, yeah. you know, that's, I've used my Photoshop skills for all kinds of things, but um, that was where I first learned it. And then they wanted me to, to continue on and, and work there. Like my whole family worked there. And I remember just thinking wow. that was sort of my backup plan was working for the CIA. I, yeah. I, was, like, I was like, I don't know. I, you know, I didn't want to, I wanted to travel the world, but I didn't want to travel in a way that was, you know, dangerous and necessarily not the most fun either. And so I think I was um, worried about it not being as creative because I was in a bunker underground. Yeah. As glamorous as it sounds, I was underground a lot, not seeing the light of day, dealing with so, imagery. So what made so is that that's the reason you you left you decided to make, leave the CIA to become a freelance photographer? And basically, if I understood that correctly, yes. Yeah, um, that's quite yeah. a bold move. I mean, like the CIA, I'd imagine, is quite a lot of job security, isn't it? Where it's, it, uh, whereas yeah. obviously freelance photography, I guess you get that freedom to explore, but you you know. It's, what what sort of when you did that was it were you quite confident in it or was it really like oh am I doing the right thing or how did you feel when you made that sort of plunge into from security into freelancing? I was really uh, terrified at first and I was also didn't want my parents I didn't really tell my parents I made that decision and I just packed up my car and like drove out west because I think for me <laughs> I always th thought of it like well if I fail because I'd never been to the West Coast and I spent four years in Syracuse, which if you know that area of America, it's it's like frozen tundra. It's, it's like snow nine months out of the year. And yeah. I want. I know about it. I don't know it, but, I, but from experience, but I know that area. Of yeah. The US. Yeah. So it's I know. I can Canada. imagine. <laughs> yeah, it was really cold, and so I was. I just wanted to experience something different, far away mm -hmm. from home. Um, before I potentially accepted a job and settled near my family. Like I was like, oh my gosh, if I take this job, I'm never leaving where um, my home and I'm going to yeah. be here. And so I just saw it as, um, that was my backup plan. If all else failed, I could always <laughs> come back and take that job, which I know sounds so weird, but that was in my brain, what gave me sort of the courage to make that decision. And it yeah. wasn't easy. I was living out of my car. I, I pawned my violin for gas money to make it to Los Angeles. Like I was... <laughs> That sounds awesome. That's the way to do it. I love that sort of just like success story that, you know, you took it, you had something, you know, really solid and just took a plunge and it's just worked out for you. I mean, I know that you've um, obviously I was going to ask, I've got on my list of questions, interesting, you know, how did you get started? Interesting projects. Obviously that's just about topped it. But I, so when you did obviously when how your interesting projects in photography, I guess, let's, I mean, you, you looking at your website, knowing you, knowing your work, there's some, I'm sure there's some interesting ones out there that are quite random for you as well that, you know, we wouldn't normally expect by the look of things and what I see of your work. 
Uh, oh my gosh. I mean, especially in the beginning, I did everything and anything. I, I was, as I said, I was broke. I accepted a bartending job on this, on the famous sunset strip. And I would just meet on a daily basis, all kinds of people in the industry. I mean, the people that were bartending next to me were aspiring actresses and models. I was surrounded by the most beautiful people, makeup artists, talented, you know, animal trainers for mm. TV shows and all kinds of stuff. So I, I, I had access to really, um, interesting, unique, creative, beautiful, starving artists around me that I could use for photo shoots and all kinds of stuff. So in the beginning, I got involved in all kinds of projects um, from red carpet events to American Music Awards to um, shooting hip hop music videos to like doing celebrity weddings. Like, I mean, I was getting asked to do the most random things and I said yes to everything because I honestly, yeah. even though I had a photography degree, I had no idea what kind of photography I wanted to do I think that's still the way as well isn't it? you've got to say yes to things just to find you know sometimes you just have to be a yes man or a yes woman or you know and just say yeah let's do it let's have a go at it I think that's important especially when you're starting out to also yeah. find out what you love and what you don't I mean how do you what, what do you class yourself as if someone was to say hey what do you do are you a travel photographer or a commercial or what would you sort of advertise oh, yourself as if or if you had to I feel like there's so many different um, titles I've used, but I usually say adventure travel photographer would say, you know, and or travel writer as well. Those are like probably the yeah. two that I use. And now I'm a, a milliner, a hat entrepreneur as well. Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I do so many different <laughs> things that I don't even know what my job title. I'm, I'm becoming like yeah. Edward with all these, you know, whatever. Well, I was just asking, I'm, I was asking more in the fact I see that you, you sort of have a clear style in your work that seems to transcend sort of is, is obviously based around travel and location but it's not just your typical travel like you've got weddings in there but they're not what i class as your typical wedding photography you've got yeah. commercial shoots in there you've got sort of models i guess but again none of it's it's all sort of got this twist that i would say is sort of obviously your style and more incorporating the location i mean how do you manage to well one i guess do all of those different projects and like keep track of your time between commercial editorial lifestyle weddings portraits and you know, in the beginning, I was told that you had to separate everything and, you know, people wanted to think that you just did weddings or you just did this. So I, I have like three different websites of a lot of my different work um, right now. One is more general multimedia, one is weddings, one is my travel fine art. All of them blend together, though, as much as I've tried to focus on one Travel always ended up becoming the theme for all the things that I did just because I would meet people traveling and then I would get asked to do travel related jobs. And then um, if I was shooting a wedding and then I got asked to do a destination wedding and then the hotel would ask me to do something. So even if you're trying to do one thing, it, it definitely yeah. leads into all of the other things. And so, um, I, you know, a lot of my like working for National Geographic came from I mean, I interned at National Geographic headquarters when I was in college as well. Like I, I when I was in DC working at Langley, I also were, uh, interned at um, National Geographic because I, that was my dream job. I always wanted to work. Yeah, there. what and, an opportunity that is! That's incredible. I think a lot of oh, people no, are sitting was, here now cursing was, you, like, oh, oh, I want that job or I want that internship. I mean, it was amazing, and and what was so crazy was how it led me back. So right now, I shoot for their artisan catalog. And when I first was interning with Nat Geo in DC, um, they had just started their um, artisan catalog. And my job as an intern was actually to be the liaison accepting, you know, um, artisans were sending goods to me and I had to, you know, um, help catalog them and put them in, you know, whether they're gonna keep them or not in the catalog. And 
and it, I had, that was my job. And so I was emailing back and forth with this guy, I didn't remember his name. And then <laughs> almost 20, God, 15 years later, I was playing in a co-ed soccer league. I played soccer my whole life. I played in college and stuff too. I was playing out here and this guy that was on my Monday night soccer team, I had no idea he was the, the CEO of that Nat Geo catalog and of the artisan catalog. And he yeah. saw that I was posting travel related stuff. And he said to me, as we we're putting on our shin guards, he's like, oh, I thought you just shot weddings. I didn't know you did travel <laughs> as well. And I said, no, I, I definitely do travel. And he said, well, we need a photographer to go to Peru last minute. Our photographer backed out, would you do it? And I said, yes. And then we exchanged emails. And then I realized that his email was already in my, that he was the dude I had been emailing at my <laughs> internship for like 15 wow. years more. And we had been playing soccer on Monday nights with each other for, you know, <laughs> probably like two years and had no idea. And so we had this, oh my God moment. And, and then that was it. I've been shooting with them ever since, but it, it led me full circle back to it. And it's funny because I think it's almost a disservice. Everyone says, oh, you want to show that you specialize in one thing, but then you're, you're kind of not showing that you can do a lot of different things. I, I don't know. I'm not, I think that you should no. have maybe a website that's not all over the place, but you shouldn't necessarily just focus on one thing. I agree with that. What do you think? I think that it's important to have, you know, I, I mean, I keep mine again. I I do my work. It's not just sort of editorial work, but I keep it, um, you know, varies between commercial, editorial, lifestyle, because obviously you've got to, you've got to, you can't, if you pigeon yourself yourself too hard, I think you get caught up in, you can't really do anything else. It's hard to make a living. I don't know. Like I said, Kev, what do you think? Do you feel the same like that? Or Yeah. I mean, I think, I think especially in this day and age, um, you know, very few people can just be a travel photographer. I think you, you kind of, and, and not necessarily just through the kind of the financing of it or being getting paid enough, but, but actually because there are other interesting projects that sort of don't fall into the traditional you know, travel photography. Um, so I think I think you have to be open to it. And I have I think you have to be sort of willing to accept different kinds of jobs. But I think the key is and what you've done, Laura, is is to keep your style that kind of goes across all of them. And I think that's what then sets you apart from everyone else. And um and I think that's what what you've done really cleverly. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah. But um, well, but yeah, the, the the soccer thing is fan is, is a fantastic yeah. story, um, which is, is is exactly the reason why I'm carrying on playing vet vet football <laughs> at this age. I'm, I'm hoping you know by the time I retire at eighty, I am gonna I'm gonna meet someone who's gonna be able to give me a job. Oh, oh my god, that's amazing! I know I need to play again. I haven't really played since pre COVID, and I'm missing it terribly. <laughs> oh. I guess then, uh, yes, that works really well from uh, leading us on from obviously Nat Geo to getting involved in this talk about journey and like what made you want to get involved with it. Because obviously you've got some experience in editorial, well, pretty damn good experience in editorial and that side of sort of Nat Geo. So what made you want to get involved with journey? And um, Yeah, well, tell us about I, it. I used to write for Huffington Post travel and uh, various publications. And I do miss the journalism side of my photojournalism. I feel that journalism is taking a hit really hard. I mean, not only just print media, but you know, nobody has the attention span anymore to read long articles. And my boyfriend's a travel writer. We um, partner up all the time on jobs. I'll do the photography for his articles and vice versa. And I, I just think I missed writing an actual long, I used to be a blogger and I used to really write articles all the time. And I think because I've gotten so busy with my hat company with the photography and blah, 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 that the thing that took a hit was the writing. So I think I saw that as an opportunity to like, to be a storyteller again, 
in long written form. And that was what attracted me to Journey. And just, it was beautiful. Like your idea of this really beautifully published magazine, which, you know, there's not many left of them. No, well, thanks. I'm glad you are. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, you know, we, that's what we sort of wanted to do, bring back that long, long form writing, that really storytelling, give the writers and photographers the room to be creative and actually tell stories beyond just listicles and that sort of thing where everyone just goes, you know, the, who cares about the 10 best, you know, places to get a beer? I mean, you can find that out anyway. You don't need to read that in a magazine, you know. And yeah. So um, and, uh, your story, obviously, it was really interesting like what, what I think if I remember correctly we put a pitch call out is that correct am I correct on that Cal? yeah you did yeah well obviously you, yeah yeah so obviously, I believe it was for wildlife not in North American wildlife I can't even remember so much has gone on journey now but um yeah it was, it was um yeah it was a pitch call that we put out um to, to get a, a North America wildlife story uh and yes and and you you got in touch obviously Laura yeah. yeah what made what made you go with with that i mean yours was, we got obviously the classic bears we and obviously we got some really interesting stuff bears uh you know polar bears up in uh, you know up in alaska i believe it was um and canada and that sort of area and different things and um yours was just totally different so what what i guess what made you pitch that and what do you think makes a good pitch when you know pitching to photo editors editors uh, wow. Okay. That's, uh, for me, that story, I, I loved that experience. And for a personal reason too, I, I met my boyfriend on that trip as well. I, we were invited as journalists from all over the world to experience the rounding up of, of the wild buffalo in Custer State Park in South Dakota. And I'd never been to South Dakota. And it was one of the coolest experiences because it was sort of going back. We had a, a glimpse of what it looked like in America hundreds of years ago when there were just thousands mm. and millions of bison just roaming free and stampeding across the prairies. And we got to have a back, um, you know, a behind the scenes view of that because the journalist, I, I guess you have to be a real cowboy and you have to apply to be a cowboy that rounds up these buffalo. And so you go out at five o'clock in the morning and we were hanging on the back of pickup trucks, off-roading behind the cowboys, <laughs> galloping behind the thousands of buffalo. And it was one of the wildest experiences. A, I mean, you felt like you're on a safari. You're getting up early in the morning. Yeah. These like caravan of trucks. You're, you know, you're walkie talking to each other, trying to figure out where the buffalo were. You know, it was like the same feeling as being on an African safari, but we were in the U.S. And then the power of when you do come across, it's not like, oh, you spotted a single lion. You're spotting giant herds of these. Yeah. That can turn and start charging at you or, you know, at any moment. And, and they did. And, and it was just, I mean, it was incredible, but also trying to photograph it was super dangerous and crazy. We're like holding on for dear life in the back of this pickup truck and off-roading and driving over hills and stuff. And it was, it was just a very cool experience. And it's something that the general public can go see once a year. They do this once a year and not everyone can hang on to the back of a pickup truck like me and do that, but they, you can apply to be a cowboy to be one of the lucky ones that gets to round them up. So you got to know how to ride a horse to do that, I assume, though. Yeah, but no, it was very <laughs> personal. I mean, so, right? I did not yeah. ride to do that part. But I, I love, some of my favorite images were from that trip. I mean, and I think the story itself, um, you know, it was also personal because I met my boyfriend and, we, and we've and we gone back numerous times to South Dakota. South Dakota has become a, a, one of my personal favorite places, too, in America. And, and I don't know, I, I just, there were many reasons why. That's I was I mean, it was for us. It was 
mean, the immediate, just the uniqueness of it, that it was something not your typical wildlife story. It had like what we wanted in wildlife, but it had that human element. And it was just totally unique. I'd never even heard of it. I don't know if Cav had, but, and again, it's not your typical, you know, Alaska or Oregon or, you know, these, or Utah. It was something, you know, a state that a lot of people in Europe, I think at least probably don't really go to or maybe never yeah. thought about visiting. So yeah. for us, that was, and what I loved about the images as well was the way that you just, you really, it felt to me like I was in the situation. I mean, you know, I, you've done such a good job because it does, it does seem quite calming as well. I think and obviously forget now you say, it, obviously you were bouncing about in the back of a truck. It's probably <laughs> a nightmare to photograph, but you know, it makes it feel like you're part of the action, which I thought was really great. What did you think? Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, same? I mean, I was in it. Like you couldn't get any yeah. closer than where I was. <laughs> for for it me, it the... crossed my mind how how hard it would be for you, really, when I was when I was looking at it. Sorry, Cav, interrupted there. No, no, it's fine. I mean, the, the one thing that I really liked about it, and this, I think this is a really good lesson for any sort of aspiring photographers out there who want to shoot sort of photo essays, is is being able to capture a story where it's a very focused sort of narrative but the images are very different, you know? So when you're actually flicking through that photo essay, you don't get bored of looking at the images because they're all, you know, different. You've got the kind of the, the, the classic wide angle shots. You've got the kind of the more sort of close up. You've got the crowd, you've got, you know, you've got, you tell the whole story. And that's one of the things that I think was really, really great in that it was, it was a really focused story but you still manage to keep the images interesting enough that, you know, I, I wasn't bored when I was flicking through and uh, yeah, I've, I've added that to my bucket list actually, Laura. So thanks for that. Yeah. They're all really powerful it. images, aren't they? I think that's the thing. They've all, they're not just like, Hey, I took a picture of here's a bison for the record, you know, just that it's that sort of anyone you've really added some power and emphasis and obviously the dust and the atmosphere and really thought about it. So yeah. Amazing job. And uh, yeah, obviously people Thank can check you. that out in issue, issue one. And um yeah, have a look and enjoy. One of the other things I enjoyed, I should just quickly say, is laying it out. It gave us a really good like chance to design it, try and get something unique in the way, obviously, the cowgirl and cowboy sort of thing. And yeah, we were quite happy with the way the design came out. That was quite fun to put together yours as well. Oh, it was really beautiful. And it's funny because somebody asked me the other day, like the main image you chose is one of my favorite images I've ever shot. And uh, people were like, oh, what's the, your favorite picture you've ever photographed? And I can't choose one, but that one is definitely in in my top favorites. And I think it's because every favorite photo I've taken is tied to a really impactful memory. It's not just, oh, wow, the composition's really cool. I like love how yellow the light was that day. It's really, you know, I, when I look at yeah. it, I know the whole story. I can hear how thundering loud it was to be there. And the prairie dogs were like yipping, like squeaking because they were so scared all around you. So you heard this like squeaking noise <laughs> and you're like roaring over the fields and the, you know, everyone's yelling at each other. And it was like this totally insane experience, but it's yet, it's a really calming photo for me. And you know, the colors and the serenity of it. So, but it's like, I, I can just remember the entire experience and it brings me back to such a fun memory, which is why I think it's one of my favorites. I think, yeah, I, I complete, I'm like, that was one of my own photographs that sometimes, you know, it's hard to say, and I'm not sure if everyone else always sees it, but in, in this photograph that you've done, it definitely, I didn't obviously get the sounds and the noise, but you, I felt like I was on a horse in that picture, you know, I was just a little bit lagging behind maybe those guys up front, but it, I felt like in the scene, the atmosphere, the light, everything, so you did a great job of portraying your feelings, I think, into that frame as well. Yeah, the only thing I have to apologize for, Laura, is for us um, plastering your beautiful image with with copy and headlines and times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Make sure the no. beast. 
<laughs> you did it in a nice way, so I, it's okay. Right. So I, I mean, I, I would recommend everyone go out and buy a print from you of that picture because it, <laughs> I think it would look a lot better without our kind of type plastered all over it. Well, you, you know, going back to what you guys talked about, which I, I appreciate that you feel that I have a style across all genres, and I and I I feel like my work is very vibrant and colorful. I, I've always, even when I was shooting film way back in the day. I would always do what they called cross-processing and I would try to push the colors and I was always in a very, very bright color. I just never felt that, you know, slide film sort of gave you that, but I, now that we have digital, as much as I hated digital in the beginning, I love it now because I can get the contrast and the color the way that I, I really see it. Like, I, I honestly feel like I look through at things through polarized lenses all the time, not even like real, but just in my brain, I see things I see how vibrant the sky could be if you brought the clouds down. And like, I just, I see things a little bit more vibrantly and I feel like I can finally match my imagery to that. That's <laughs> awesome. That's all. I, I, I see the world a bit. I, I don't see the, the change of the colors, but I see the world in little snippets, sort of like freeze frames. If my, I'm taking the picture of my mind often, like that sort of like composing yeah. the world almost. So a similar sort of thing, I guess. Um, yeah, before we finish up, have you got any interesting projects coming up? What's on the horizon? I know it's been a tough time for everyone. Obviously, travel's not easy. Have you got anything interesting coming up or plans or ideas? or? Oh, well, yeah, I've got a lot of things. Um, so my boyfriend and I are teaming up and we're, we're, we've been doing a lot of stories in the Caribbean. Um, he's doing a story on like what there is to do in Turks and Caicos without, other than scuba diving. So we're, we're headed down to the Caribbean this month to do different photo essays for the tourism boards down there and in St. Croix. We just came back from Bonaire. So we've been doing a lot of fun little trips like that. I mean, even during the pandemic, we were asked to do all kinds. In, in fact, South Dakota brought us back, but we were brought back to all these different states that wanted to promote road trips because people weren't flying as much. And so even though certain travel took a hit, other travel, got more interesting. And so I, I saw more of the US during COVID than I had seen in a long time. I mean, I went to five new states I'd never been to because we were asked to do road trip stories and and go explore unknown. What were those five that? states? What 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 were the five states? If you don't mind me asking. Oh my gosh, it was Nebraska, oh. uh, North Dakota, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, and uh, Missouri. So, no. you know, I, I had never been to any of those states and it was awesome. And I had, and this is my own country. And yeah. some of those places felt more foreign to me than, than other places I'd been around the world. Because I mean, it, like, let's be honest, the U.S. might as well be a bunch of different countries. It's like crossing borders is, is yeah. in another country. It's a, it's a vast place, isn't it? You're very, very yeah. lucky to have so many different landscapes and eco-climates yeah, and, and all that distance. sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we're missing so that. Oh, I know. You guys got really crazy lockdown, too. My sister lives yeah, in the yeah. UK, so I mean, <laughs> I just saw her for the first time recently. Um, but no, I would say internationally, I, I, I have a hat company that I started a couple of years ago based in Peru, and it's because of Nat Geo and working with their artisan catalog. I, I met these Quechua artisans in the Sacred Valley of Peru, and my girlfriend who lives in Peru and I decided to start a company exporting these hats and selling them and giving more income opportunities to these women. So I would say a lot of my passion projects and international uh, projects are 
Um, we're going to be opening up a, a taller, which is like a workshop for women in the Sacred Valley, but that's also going to function as a tourism, you know, people can come and see them, how they make the hats, and it's also going to be a storefront, um, people can buy the hats, so that's the next on the horizon, but the most exciting thing that I'm really excited about that's happening um, at the end of January is that I've been asked to lead an all-female climb to Mount Kilimanjaro. Oh, wow. So, I'll be doing that and it's going to be um, like 12 women. And at first they wanted me to make it sort of photo instructional. And I said, no, it's, I, I want it to be where each woman is dealing with some sort of overcoming some sort of obstacle or something in their life. And they, I want them to write about their experience, but every day on the journey, we're gonna do a different epic dramatic portrait of each woman. Um, and, and all the different landscapes, because when you're climbing Kilimanjaro, you know, you hike through African savanna, forest, glacier, yeah. like going through all these different landscapes, and you're also getting higher and higher, and it's getting harder and harder, and um, so we're going to stop along the way and do photo shoots, but it's not going to be a photo instructional workshop, it's going to be sort of an empowerment trip, but it's all women, and I was asked to lead it, so that's really exciting, because I've never done this yeah. either. That sounds like an amazing, pro amazing project, like a yeah. more amazing trip. Or yeah, I mean, I'm, are you going to be documenting that? Is that going to be on a blog? Or are you going to be putting a website or social media? I'm sure it's definitely going to be a social media website. But I'm, I'm pitching it. I would love for it to be picked up in a publication somewhere. I, I want it to be a full, like, story about these women and and what climbing a mountain really means. I mean, every time I've climbed a big summit, I've I've been on many high summits in Peru. Peru has some of the highest mountains and I, you know, you don't realize how much stuff you have to deal with on a personal level until you try to climb a really hard mountain because you're just alone with your thoughts a lot, a lot yeah. and you're, you're fighting your own uh, inner voice. That's like, I can't do this. I can't do this or I can't <sighs> do it. You're dealing with all of that stuff and the physical difficulty of it. And so I wanted to sort of document the inner outer journey of it but yeah it, it'll definitely be documented and thank god we'll, we'll have porters to help carry gear yeah we'll probably be the only women that like bring a bunch of <laughs> for the porters to carry it sounds incredible and i can't wait to see it myself or read it and see the picture like, i think the pictures i mean i'm i'm more of a photographer obviously cavs thinking about the words no doubt as well as the pictures but i'm imagining how each woman will change slightly like everyone would as you sort of go up into the height you get more tired you get more weathered climate it could be, be an interesting story I think as well and how you yeah. sort of just like over 10 or 12 days or whatever you said how someone can change just to, you know through the conditions and what they're putting themselves to so and then to go with their stories I think yeah that's an amazing idea yeah when was that January you said yeah end of January and fantastic well, I think that's about everything we've got time for today, Lauren. So thank you so much for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure. I mean, I so much is going. Oh, you blow my mind a little bit. I wasn't expecting the CIA or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or, like any it's, of this. It's I was been fantastic. To... Yeah, really, oh really interesting. <laughs> I mean, one day I, I definitely want to write a book because people ask me all the time. I've done speaking engagements. I'm like, oh, how did you start your business? And the real truth is I was bartending and the the producer Wheel of Fortune came in and I ended up getting on the show and I won like $7,000 and that's how I bought my first camera to start my business. <laughs> like, that is incredible. It gets more and more, yeah. just as we thought you couldn't get any more. I mean, like but that kind of stuff happened. I had like numerous stories like that in the beginning and, and you know, I was like living out of my car and saving Wendy's silverware to, you know, to feed myself and like had no furniture and the like, boxes in my apartment. And it was funny because 
there was like this crazy story where I wouldn't tell anybody to do that. I wouldn't be like, hey, you should just, you know, choose to be homeless and go just take a chance and do that. But I think um, in some ways, I'm, I'm so glad I made all the decisions I did and put myself out there and, and you know, got yeah. me here and all these adventures. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back and change anything. So it sounds like you had an amazing journey and uh, long may it continue. Um, finally, I guess, how can people find you? Website, Instagram, Twitter, what are your handles and things like yeah. that? Well, my, my fine art photography is lauragreer.com, just my name, G-R-I-E-R. And then Laura Greer Travel is my Instagram handle. And my wedding event site is beautifulday.photography. But um, yeah, I have other websites like jetsetcollectivemedia.com is my sort of overall <laughs> written media website. I mean, there's a lot of different ways, but I, I would say that if you Googled my name, I'll what I just told you would all pop up for sure. Okay, yeah, that's usually the best way to just Google my name and they'll find all the stuff about me. I know. Um, luckily, yeah, luckily there isn't like a serial killer with the same name as me. I, yeah. I, I come up with the Google listings, so. I've, uh, I've, my solicitor's called Lauren Greer. And um, so, yeah, it keeps, I keep confusing your name. I keep thinking, I see it. I keep thinking it's my solicitor oh. emailing me. And then I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, <it's not. laughs> Well, right. only because I don't want it. I, I'm happy that it's you. I'd rather not hear from my solicitor, to be honest, generally. It means <laughs> extra work or things. But um, that's enough of that. But um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Any last thoughts, Cav? Or... No, no, it's been absolutely brilliant. And uh, I, I, I certainly think that we need to uh, have a subsequent version of this which is the declassified version where we hear some more of your uh, <laughs> yeah, CIA yeah. stories but, uh, oh my god but no, i'm still trying fantastic. to get stories out of my parents like they're they <laughs> tired and they still won't tell me I, I they work there i work there and i still don't know all the things they did so yeah <laughs> no brilliant it's well, been fantastic yeah, well, yeah thanks so much for joining us and uh, yeah thanks to everyone else who's joined us and listened in i hope you enjoyed that and until next time take care Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.